Shake hands with your neighbor and say, Lord, and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell though a host should encamp against me my heart shall not fear though war should rise against me in this will I be confident one thing of I desire of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life all the days of my life all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me up upon a rock and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy sacrifices of joy servants of the Lord which by night stand in the house of the Lord lift up your hands 
in the sanctuary and bless the Lord and bless the Lord. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Memorization. You are able to project yourself not only into the word but into the personality of the writer. And I'd recognize Paul in the dark. Peter. The turn of the phrases, the emotion of the words. I'm going to preach from a little known man of God that was power packed. If you open your Bible tonight, we're going to the book of Jude. We're fixing to go take a trip in the book of Jude. I'm going to preach, if God allows me, the book of Jude. And if I can make it through the heat, I'm going to preach the whole book. And I'm warning all you gad-arounders, <laughs> just hold tight. Let's let the Lord have his way here tonight. In the book of Jude, the one and only chapter, the last book before the book of Revelation. In the first verse, the introductory remark, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only, only, only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. With these perfunctory, preparatory, Swift cutting words to the heart of the matter. Jude introduces the tone, the texture, the theology of his pungent epistle. You may not do a whole lot of shouting tonight, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to stay in the Bible. I don't have no big, long-winded stories to tell. I don't have no bedtime tales to rattle your eardrums with. 
I'm going to preach you the word of God. And the text I'm going to preach from tonight will be entitled thus, The Acts of the Apostates. The Acts of the Apostates. That's what I'm going to preach about. Let us pray. Our Father God, Jesus, I bind every hindering spirit that might come against the Word of God. I bind every false doctrine and ideology and spirit of unbelief that would hinder the flow of the Spirit of God. Lord, illuminate our minds and anoint the lips. My God, baptize this congregation in this pulpit with the lucid understanding of this book of Jude. In the name of Jesus, confirm your word with signs following. Let there be healing here tonight. Let there be devils cast out here tonight. Let there be people filled with the Holy Spirit baptism here tonight. And may the devil be bound. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Hey, you don't have the empathy, the emotion. You don't have the projection. You got to get it. Say it again. In Jesus' name. No, I'm not going for volume. I'm going for depth. Say it again. In Jesus' name. You haven't got it. I won't let you sit down until you get the rhythm of the speech to give credence to the flippant phrase. We are not here to offer incense at the shrine of some elocution. I'm not here to compete with anybody's perfunctory descriptive adjectives. I tell you what I am here to declare war on the devil. And every false doctrine that rises its head against the Word of God. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. What a title. We are living in a day when people love titles. I think if you made some people chairman of the wastebasket committee, you could get them to come to your church. We love titles, but the greatest title you'll ever wear is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. More specifically, a love slave and brother of James. Most scholars are in accord that Jude was the half-brother of James, the writer of the epistle of James generally recognized as the authoritative voice of the church of Jerusalem, certainly at the council in Acts 15. In the background of this in Matthew 13, 55 and Mark 6, 3, Jude is listed as one of the brothers of the Lord. And in the first chapter of Acts, when it speaks in verse 12, 13, of those that were present in the upper room, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, 
the brother of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jude, evidently with the rest of the half-brothers of the Lord, did not believe on him during his earthly sojourn. John 7, verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Mark 3, verse 21, talks of the word friends, which really means brethren. They went out after Jesus, saying that he was beside himself. But somewhere, Jude became enamored and hypnotized with the awesome power and demonstrated glory of Jesus Christ. And that's the reason he had to find himself there in the upper room and with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. James, the Lord's brothers, referred to as such in Galatians 1.19 and 2.9 Galatians. 1 Corinthians 15.9 speaks of one of the post-resurrection appearances of the Lord to James. So Jude was not solicitous after some envious, long-listed title. And I trust tonight there are none of us here that are after offices and titles. I hope that all of us are content to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And Jude called himself and the brother of James. To them that are sanctified by God the Father. We realize to be sanctified is to be set apart for a holy purpose and it takes a holy God with the Holy Spirit and His Holy Word to set you apart for a holy purpose. And we are not here to negate the awesome effects of legitimate Christian education. But in all of the head knowledge that you saturate in the cockles of your brain, I want you to understand if you're not sanctified by the Holy Ghost, you're not sanctified. All these teachers will tell you, you must have a personal relationship with God and you must be set apart by the Holy Ghost. The reminder of Paul to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 6, when he told them what they were, verses 9 through 11, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's water and spirit baptism, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. John the Baptist preached it, Matthew 3, verse 11. Jesus preached it, John chapter 3, verse 3, verse 5. Peter preached it, Acts 2, verse 38. And of course, Philip preached it, Acts 8, verse 12. And the apostles, James, or rather Peter and John in verse 16, laid hands on them. And Paul preached water and spirit baptism, 
Acts 19, 1 through 5. Now, I believe the only way for you to be sanctified is by God the Father who is a spirit and preserved in Jesus Christ. And please, you that are stuck in the mud and like hoodows on tombstones, it didn't say pickled, it said preserved. God did not save you to sit there. He did not save you to have that silly little Mona Lisa smile on your face of inscrutability. He saved you to keep you from sin, to use you. And called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. And let the saints shout amen to that. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, and everybody say common salvation. And I care not what the Roman Catholicism hierarchy may say about the reservation of just the, the priesthood in deference to the so-called saints. The Bible uses the term common salvation. I believe the pew can have the same Holy Ghost the pulpit's got. The Bible in 1237 of Mark said the common people heard him gladly. And I think the reason they did is because they had common sense. Now I want the rich and the high and the sophisticated and the scientists and the nuclear physicists and the pilots of 747s and astronauts all to have the Holy Ghost. But you and I both know it's the common people that heard him gladly. Though the love of God in all of his attitude of no respecter of persons, Deuteronomy 10, 17 and 2, 11 of the book of uh, Romans 2, 6, Galatians 6, 9, Ephesians, 1 Peter 1, 17, 10, 34, Acts means that God loves everybody. Yet 1 Corinthians 1, 26 said, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I'm not preaching against anybody, anywhere, against them receiving the Spirit and the water baptism of the New Testament. But if we spend as much time catering to the common as we did the uncommon, to the poor as we do to the rich, I think we'd be better off. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once, and another version reads, American Standard Version 1901, which was once for all delivered unto the saints. I believe what fell in Acts chapter two can fall July 3rd, 1984, here in Topeka, Kansas, in the Kansas District Camp Meeting. I do not believe it's been taken back. I believe anybody, anywhere, any place, any time can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But Jude said we should earnestly contend for the faith 
One of our problems today is we have too many pretenders and not enough contenders. We got too many spectators and not enough participators. I'm preaching to you tonight to come out of the bleachers and get involved. It's time for you to stand up and open your mouth. If you're a one God, Jesus name, tongue talking, hand clapping, tithe paying, foot washing, communion taking, Bible believing, liberated, power of Jesus name. You need to stand up and say, I am one of them. I shout and I'm not embarrassed about it. I talk in tongues and I'm not embarrassed about it. I run the aisles and I'm not embarrassed about it. I dance in the spirit and I'm not embarrassed about it. I preach Jesus as the mighty God and the everlasting Father and I'm not embarrassed about it. I baptize in Jesus' name and I'm not embarrassed about it. Praise the Lord! Jude was talking about contending for the faith, not an intellectual concept of deity that there is a God somewhere ensconced somehow, but rather a composite of divine teachings that have been gelled together in a cohesive doctrine called the Apostles' Doctrine. And you're not to contend for your personal philosophies and can chimney corner scriptures and almanac sayings. Jude said, get with it. Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Ephesians 4, 5 said there's one faith. Paul, during the last few days of his life in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 said, I've kept the faith. I believe he was talking about preaching doctrine that we call today the Apostles' Doctrine. Acts 2.42 said they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. 6.17 of Romans, but God be thanked that ye were, past tense, the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form, that form, that form, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. It was delivered on the day of Pentecost and bless God, I'm not gonna try to undeliver it. It was delivered and there's not a council anywhere, any place that can short circuit it. You hear me? First Timothy 1, 3 said that they teach no other doctrine. First Corinthians 1, 10 said that you all speak the same thing. 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 declared, preach the word. When the Lord allowed Joshua to take over the leadership of the reins from Moses, he gave him some command. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written, 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 written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Let me preach to you. Your philosophies don't matter the snap of your finger. I don't care how many dreams and visions you have. If it's not in the word of God, it's not real. We've had enough of the Jim Joneses. 
We've had enough of the loony. We've had enough of the fox sister. We've had enough of the Joseph Smith and the Bingham Youngs and the Alexander Campbells. It's time for us to get back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Praise God, hallelujah. I respect the religious freedom of anybody to practice as they feel in the United States of America. But I respect the right to disagree with you too. You can get a Mohican haircut and sell flowers on the street corner and shout, Mani Panum, Mani Panum, the Buddhistic chant seeking nirvana, state of passionless peace. Have at it. It's a nonsensical, blasphemous crossbreed that will lead you nowhere fast. I found something that will deliver from alcohol, from dope, from sin, from lying, from the world. It's the apostles' doctrine. I'm not ashamed of it. It's time to preach it, embrace it, and quit playing footsie with a compromising spirit that's trying to tell you to water it down and to water it away. Dude, if he walked in here tonight, would look you right in the eyeball and he'd say, get with it. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Uh huh. I read about a man one time in Upper New York State by the name of Smith, first name Joseph, that found a gold plate with some unintelligible gibberish like Egyptian hieroglyphics. He couldn't read it, and magically an angel appeared and said, I got the understanding, Joe. And he began to tell him how to write it down. And Mr. Smith wrote another book. And they've got a book today. They were persecuted and went west, built a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful temple in Salt Lake. And they put a statue up there to commemorate that angel whose name was Moroni that brought Mr. Smith this revelation. I want to tell you, sir, Moroni brought Baloney. <laughs> That's right. For Acts chapter 1, verse 6 said, no, excuse me, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. As I said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be a curse. It's Acts 2.38. It's Acts 8.16 and 17. It's Acts 10.44-48. It's Acts 19.1 through 6. It's Romans 6, 3 and 4. It's Galatians 3, 27 to 29. Brother, you better preach water and spirit or you're not preaching. You better stand up for it. Praise God! 
I will readily agree that the church doesn't have to go by any one certain title. There are many in the Bible. It's simply called church. Acts 2, 47, 5, 11, Colossians 1, 18, and Hebrews 2, 12. The most common title is Church of God, not God's, God. Acts 20, 28, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 1, Galatians 1, 19, 1 Timothy 3, 5. And it's also called Church of the Firstborn. Hebrews 12, 23, Church of the Living God, 1 Timothy 3, 15. And it's called Churches of Christ, 16, 16 Romans, designating possession. Churches of the Gentiles, Romans 16, 4. Churches of the Saints, 1 Corinthians 14 and 32. Churches of God, 1 Thessalonians 2, 14, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 11, 16. Even in a place it's called church that is in thine house, Romans 16, 5, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Colossians 4, 15, finally even verse 2. So I don't really care if you call it the Holy Ghost Shed or the Hallelujah Barn. I passed by one the other day. It was called Powerhouse Church of God in Christ, number two. Well, That's all right, because the way you know a church is the doctrine in the pulpit and the experience that's in the pew. And when you walk in here, you're gonna hear the apostle's doctrine. We're gonna tell you to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, he make you stand, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God! Praise God! I do not mean this as a rebuke, and I make this statement with all honesty and sincere candor. There is not a church on the top side of the earth today called by the name church subscribes to the Christian ethic, including the United Pentecostal Church, you heard me right, that can rattle a chain of church succession all the way back to the first century by impeccable credentials, encyclopedic and religious periodicals of incontestable repute. It can't be done. Somewhere in the murky fog bottoms of the Middle Ages, you lose the thread. Now personally, I always have believed that there always has been people baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost. I base that on three verses of scripture. Psalms 100, the last verse, his truth endureth to all generations. Acts Chapter 14, verse 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness. And one of the greatest is, I think, Romans 1, 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, like passing a baton in a race. But how will we know then? Praise God for the reformers. Reputedly, Martin Luther attacked his D.C. on the castle door in Wittenberg, Germany and said, the just shall live by faith. Praise God for that. I'm not denying it. 
Now I won't go into some of this, but I appreciate the Christian belief that they came out with baptism was for the remission of sins and not for the fun of it, as some say. And the Baptist that held it was by immersion, not sprinkling. Thank God for that. And I appreciate that. And I could go on and on with this. I appreciate the ref reformers, but let me preach. If you're gonna be right, remember this. You got to have but one incontestable, irrefutable, undeniable proof. You got to go all the way back. Not just the 19th, the 18th, the 17th, the 16th, and the 15th, and it leaps on back to Catholicism around the 4th and somehow part of the 3rd, but they stop. You can't stop there. Go on back to the 1st century. Go on back to the apostles. Go on back to the way they baptized. Go on back to the God that they preached. Go on back to the Holy Ghost they preached. If your church is not baptizing the way the apostles did, your church is not baptizing the right way. If your church is not preaching the Jesus, the apostles preach, they're not preaching the right Jesus. If your church is not preaching the Holy Ghost, like the apostles preached it, your church is not preaching the Holy Ghost. If your church is not preaching revival, and preaching miracles, and healings, and wonders, and casting out of death, and the gift of the Spirit, then your church is not preaching what the apostles preached. If you believe that, I want you to clap your hands right now. Praise God! That's the only way! Contend for the faith! Contend for the faith! Not for history books, for the faith! Not for religious periodicals, contend for the faith! He didn't say contend for Matthew Henry's commentary. He didn't say contend for Adam Clarke's commentary. And I appreciate all of these helps, but you've got to go back to the Bible and open it up and see what they had and ask yourself, am I preaching that? Am I believing that? Am I worshiping that way? Am I standing for that? Praise God. Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness lasciviousness is lewd immoral wild promiscuous ungodly living and the grace of God is not a license to go out and do anything you're big enough to do he gives you grace to stop your sinning. He gives you grace to go out of the sinning business. And you cannot pervert nor twist it into an inversion of perversion. 
of theology and teach you can't help yourself. You're swept along by the swelling tide of carnality. Paul in 6.1 of Romans, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It said, God forbid. Now I respect the ministry, I respect the organization, I respect the men of God. But your convictions had better be placed upon the fact, God forbid. If you're only doing right because there's a legalism that is forcing you to do right, you're not doing right. Paul said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, that are dead to sin, that are dead to sin. He described a specific group that were indeed dead to sin. Live any longer therein. No, you're not. That's so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. I think sometimes in the excitement of descriptive water baptism in Jesus' name, we have left out the macabre of it. It is a deathly experience too. There's more to this than a super interstate highway up and down your backbone. There's more to this than leaving footprints on the ceiling and swinging from the chandeliers. You gotta understand when you come to the Lord, you go out of the sinning business. That you are baptized into his death. That you've turned it over to Jesus. That you've said, Lord, here's my home. Here's my job. Here's my mind. Here's my body. Here's my money. Here's everything I got. It's yours and you can have it. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. It said buried with him, notice not with them. By baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now brother, either the Bible's right or something's wrong somewhere. The Bible teaches you are to become dead to sin. Sin is defined as the transgression of the law, 1 John 3 verse 4. is doing that which the word of God plainly teaches against. All unrighteousness is sin is the generalization of 1 John 5 verse number 17. In fact, 1 John 3, 8 said, He that committed sins of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. And Jesus added a postscript, John 8, 44, You have your father the devil to the Jews, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, speaketh of his own, for he's a liar. For he's a liar and the father of it. So we all had the inherent tendency to do wrong. Came into the world with a carnal nature that had to be crucified with Christ. First Kings 8, 46, and friends, you just well get your gulp of air. We got a long way to go tonight. You've been hollering, you want preaching while I'm fixing to try to do my best to give it to you. First Kings 8, verse 46, the Bible said, no man sinneth not, 
720 Ecclesiastes. There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. 53, 6, Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. 51 of the book of Psalms, David said, verse 5, Behold, I was conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. 58, 3, Psalm, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Notice Paul the philosopher, hear this. 7, 11 of Romans said, Sin deceived me and slew me. Verse 14, I'm carnal, sold under sin. Verse 18, for I know in my body, yeah, in my flesh, and that's black flesh, white flesh, red flesh, yellow flesh, pinky pokey dotted flesh. For I know that in my flesh, that is in me. I don't care if it's been ran through Harvard and Yale, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. If you understand through more dynamics and can pilot a 747, I know that in my flesh, that is in me, dwelleth no good thing. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you are no good thing without Jesus. You're no good thing without the church. You're no good thing without the apostles' doctrine. Oh, yes. Praise God. Yes, sir. Then in verse 21, he said, I find then a law present that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Like the man said, I know I can quit smoking. I've quit five times. And you try to do right and then stumble. That flesh is a no good thing. In utter exasperation, verse 24, Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh. 3, 9 of Romans again. Both Jew and Gentile, they're all under sin. Verse 10, none righteous, no, not one. Verse 12, none that doeth good, no, not one. Verse 19, that all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you, without God, was a sinner. A low-down, filthy, dirty, unclean sinner. Unregenerated, unrejuvenated, polluted, contaminated, and condemned. You hear me? Look me in the eye. We were sinners without God. But when Jesus Christ comes into you in the Holy Ghost, the Bible said for John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you and he that is in the world. He's greater than cigarettes. He's greater than chewing tobacco. He's greater than drink. He's greater than alcohol, dipsomania. He's greater than dope. He's greater than adultery and fornication. He's greater than homosexuality and lesbianism. He's greater than pornography. He's greater than profanity. He's greater than a divorce. He's greater than juvenile delinquency. He's greater than your black flesh, than your white flesh, than your red flesh, than your yellow flesh, than your educated flesh, than your ignoramus flesh. He's greater. He can deliver you. He can do it. Cut your hands tonight. Come on. Come on. Let's give the devil around tonight. Come on. He's greater, 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 greater through his word. Praise God. Certain men crept in unawares. 
who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Oh, you ought to thank God for the leadership of your district and of our organization and of your church locally that is trying to preach against sin that will not allow ungodliness. I just don't think it's right for a quartet to smoke a Herbert Territons in the wings and then come out and sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I just can't get all enthused. I don't want to hear such voice of negativism for I've already read in my Bible, sir, the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call in Acts 2.39 and he gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey him, Acts 5.32. So, sir, take your defunct, bankrupt theology and go fly a kite. I'm going to preach the apostles' doctrine and it's revival till Jesus comes. It's Jesus' name baptism till he comes. It's the Holy Ghost come talking till he comes. It's worship, paying your tithes, washing the saints' feet, getting in a church and sitting under a pastor until he comes. And Jude goes on. We have an atrocity committed here of horrendous magnitude. Some of you may want to wallpaper over this, but I refuse. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't come in here with none of that Trinitarian, three separate and distinct persons. Don't try to tell me there's God the Father and then there's a God the Son and over there somewhere there's a God the Holy Ghost. Co-equal, co-eternal, or co-existent. Don't tell me that. I'm not going to deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus was the second person and he ain't, slaughter the king's English. Luke 4, 1 said he was full of the Holy Ghost, so he had the third person in him. If Jesus was the second person of the so-called non-existent Trinitarian Godhead and he ain't, he had the first person in him, Matthew, or John 14, 10, the Father which dwelleth in me, and 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to it, God was in Christ. So if the second person had the third person and the first person in him, 
when you get Jesus, you get it all. That's what we've been preaching. That there is one God, indivisible, immortal, invisible, who took on a body, and that body was Jesus. And he walked in that body, and he talked in that body. And it was the body that died, not God. And God resurrected that body. And that body ascended and was glorified. And that same Jesus came back on the day of Pentecost as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. First John 2 and 20 said, we have an unction from the Holy One, not Holy Three. <laughs> I read in Isaiah 43, verse three, verse 11, I even I am the Lord beside me, there is no Savior. Hosea 13, four saith the same thing. Three, verse four of Titus, after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. First Timothy 2, three, that says, who will have all men to be saved, speaking of God, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And verse 10 of chapter four, first Timothy, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who's the savior of all men. So the Bible teaches very plainly that God is the sole responsible savior of all mankind. But I wanna preach to you that that one born in Bethlehem's manger, that babe was not an imposter. For the angel in Luke 2, 11 said unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. 1 Timothy 1, 15 said Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Luke 19 and 10 the Son of Man's come to seek and to save that which was lost. I submit to you that Jesus Christ is the Savior. But God said he was the Savior. Well, that's easy. Jesus is God manifest in flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the world. Praise God. I preached unto the Gentiles and believed on in the world. And received up in the glory. I believe that. Now, I want to make a statement I personally don't believe. Now, this is me, and I'm feeling in my spirit, I hope with the spirit of God, that you ought to be preaching to anybody in your pulpit that believes in Trinitarianism in the absolute definition of the word, three separate and distinct persons of God. You better be careful. Jude said they deny the only Lord God. In 2 Timothy 2.12, the Lord said, you know, if he deny him, he would deny you. And I'm not going to deny who he is. I never have, never have believed there was three persons in the so-called Godhead. Never have believed that there was two persons in the so-called Godhead. Never have even believed that there was one person in the so-called Godhead. That's a misnomer and a mistaken statement of mistaken theology. The correct way to say it is simply this. The Godhead is in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. For Colossians 2 and 9 said, For in him, not them, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I believe it's all 
resident deity in Jesus Christ and I'm not going to deny him. I'm going to preach him as father in creation, son in redemption, Holy Ghost in the church. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is this a one God church? What's the name of the one God? What's the name of the Father? Son. Holy Ghost. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, a blessing, Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah. That's his name. Jude said, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't need to hold credentials if they're not going to preach Jesus as the Almighty God. For I've been reading in the book of Genesis and I found it portrayed him as creator, Jehovah God, which is Jesus. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. And I've been reading in the book of, of Exodus and I found him portrayed as the Passover lamb, chapter 12, which is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Christ, our Passover. I've been reading in the book of Leviticus and it portrays him as our high priest, chapter 16, which is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3, apostle and high priest of our profession. I've been reading in Numbers, and it portrays Jehovah God as the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, which is Jesus. Numbers 9, verse number 15. I've been reading in Deuteronomy, and it portrays him as the prophet like unto Moses. Chapter 18, verse 15, Jehovah God, which is Jesus, Acts chapter 3, verse 22. I've been reading in the book of Joshua, and it portrays Jehovah God in the capacity of the captain of our salvation, 515, which is Jesus, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. I've been reading in the book of Judges, and Jehovah God's been portrayed as the judge and lawgiver, 1127 which is Jesus, John chapter five, verse 22. And I've been reading in the book of Ruth and it portrays Jehovah God as our kinsman redeemer, which is Jesus, Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 to 18. I've been reading in the book of first and second Samuel and it portrays Jehovah God as our trusted prophet. First Samuel seven fifteen, which is Jesus. I've been reading in the books of Kings and Chronicles and it betrays him as our reigning king. First Kings 8, 2 Chronicles 7, uh, which is Jesus. Revelation 19, verse 16. I've been reading in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and it betrays Jehovah God as the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. Ezra chapter 3 and Nehemiah chapter 2 which is Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 9. I've been reading, my friend, in the book of Esther, and it betrays him as our Mordecai, chapter 4, verse 14, which is Jesus, 
Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 18, John 1, 1, and verse 14, 1 John 3, 16, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, 1 John 4, verse 2, Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8, and the list goes on. I've been reading in the book of Job, and Jehovah God has been portrayed as the ever-living Redeemer, 19, verse 25 to 27, which is Jesus, John chapter 11, verse 25. I've been reading in the book of Psalms, and I've been reading about Jehovah Rahi, Jehovah my shepherd, Psalm 23, which is Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. I've been reading in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and Jehovah God's been portrayed as our wisdom and perfection. Chapter 8, Proverbs, chapter 12, Ecclesiastes. And which is Jesus, John 21, 17, Matthew 9, verse 4, Acts 1, verse 24, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, verse 30, Colossians 2, verse 3, Revelation 2, verse 23, and Hebrews 4, verses 12 to 13. I've been reading in the book of Song of Solomon, and it betrays Jehovah God as our lover and bridegroom. Yes, sir, chapters 4 and 5, which is Jesus. Revelation 21 and 9 speaks about his wife. <laughs> Hath made herself ready. And whoever heard of a wife without a husband? 2 Corinthians 11, 2, Paul said he spouses us to one husband. That is Christ. Yes, sir. I've been reading in Isaiah. And Jehovah God's been portrayed as the Prince of Peace. 9 and 6, which is Jesus. He in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. I've been reading in Jeremiah. And Jehovah God's been talked about as the righteous branch. 23 verse 5. Which is Jesus. John chapter 15 verse 1. I am the true vine. <laughs> I've been reading in Lamentations. Portraying Jehovah God as the weeping prophet. 1-1. One, one, which is Jesus hunched over the city of Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37 and weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. I've been reading in the book of Daniel, and it portrays him as the fourth man in the fire, 3 and verse 25. And by the way, which is Jesus? Romans 8, verse 35 to 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, the distress, the persecution, the famine, the necklace, the peril, the sword? That is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fourth man in the fire is in this building tonight. His name is Jesus. And I love him. I've been reading in the book of Ezekiel. And he's the wonderful four-faced man 
one one which is the multiplicity of the duplication of the beautiful melodious stories of Matthew Mark Luke and John collaborating corroborating and synthesizing synchronizing the magnificency of the incomparability and inimitableness of our wonderful God his name is Jesus and I yes I have been reading in the book of Hosea and Jehovah God 3 5 is depicted as the faithful husband and I repeat 2nd Corinthians 11 2 Christ is depicted as our husband and I tell you I've been doing some reading in the book of Joel and I picked up my Bible and Jehovah God said in verse 28 2 of Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God I personal pronoun designating possession will pour out my no one else's my my I will pour out my my spirit <laughs> my spirit upon all flesh yes sir and that spirit is Jesus for I've been reading in Matthew 3.11, the Baptist said, I need baptize you with water and repentance. <laughs> but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus, John 14.18 said, I, personal pronoun, designating possession, just like Joel 2.28, will not leave you comfortless I, I will come to you. Drop down to verse 20. At that day, ye shall know. I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. that I feel a walking up and down in my soul. Who is this that I feel that put clapping in my hands and running in my feet and a song in my soul? It's not the third person. It's Jesus. He's the Holy Ghost. He's God. Now some of the theologians that regulate to Jesus the unimportance of the second person of the so-called deity, God's little errand boy doing God the Father's dirty work, I refute that notion. For Paul called the Holy Ghost, Colossians 127, Christ in you. Paul called the Holy Ghost in Galatians 2.20, Christ liveth in, 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 in. If you don't know what in is, you're out, out, out. Oh, Christ in me! Christ in me! Christ in me! 
2 Corinthians 13, 5, Jesus Christ is in you. He is the Holy Spirit baptism. I've been reading in the book of Amos, and Jehovah God is portrayed as the burden bearer in Amos. Yes, I have. I've been reading in Amos 1.17. Oh, listen, 1 Peter 5.7, Jesus told us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I've been reading in Obadiah, and he's the mighty to save. In the first chapter of Obadiah, what did Matthew 1.21 say of Jesus? She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Son. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting tired. Let me get my mind straight. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Son. Now, wait, I can't get it. And she shall, you mean, you tell me the name of the Son's not Son? Are you trying to tell me the Son's got a name? You mean the Son has a name? You mean the name of the Son's not Son? Then if the son's got a name, the father's got a name. If the name of the son's not son, then the name of the father's not father. <laughs> oh, yes! He shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Let me set the pace up a little bit. I've been reading in the book of Jonah, and Jehovah God's portrayed as our great foreign missionary 1-1, which of course is Jesus, John 3-16. I've been reading in the book of Micah, and Jehovah God's portrayed as the ruler in Israel, who's going forth have been from of old 5-2, and it details the exact geographical location of the birthplace of Christ 500 years before he was born, and it said, but thou Bethlehem Ephrata, Though thou be little thou thousands of Judah, yet all these sheep come unto me, that is the ruler. Ruler. Not the second person of the Trinity. Ruler. <laughs> in Israel, who was it was born in Bethlehem? Who was it came in the world at Bethlehem? All right. And they whom reminds us Jehovah God is depicted as a messenger that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace. Chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. 2.14, Ephesians. Again, I say, in the book of Habakkuk, he's portrayed as God's evangelist. Chapter 3, verse 2. Crying, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known in wrath, remember mercy. And in the book of Zephaniah, he's portrayed 3.15 as the Savior. And Haggai, one of the book of Haggai, if you please, if you care to read it, verse 13, he's portrayed as the restorer of God's lost heritage. And in Zechariah 13 and 1, he's portrayed as the fountain opened up to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of David for sin and uncleanness. Man, I'm glad there's a fountain that was opened from Emmanuel's veins that sinners can plunge and lose all their guilty stains. 
I'm glad to preach to you I know who Jesus is and that he had blood. You see, God loved us. 1 John 3.16 is the commentary of 3.16 John. Read it. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he, subject matter, God, he laid down his life for us. It's an incongruous, inharmonious, shangling discord of self-contradiction to say God can die. God cannot be God if God can die. They cannot sell his temple. They cannot dine his mighty throne. They cannot bomb his city nor rob him of his own. They cannot take him captive nor strike him deaf nor blind nor starve him to surrender nor make him change his mind. They cannot cause him panic or cut off his supplies. They cannot take his kingdom nor hurt him with their lives. Though all the world be shattered, his truth remains the same. His righteous law still potent and Jesus Jesus is his name, and 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 Jesus is his name. And though we feel war and struggle, we know above all confusion, there always will be God. All right, God can't die. He said, I change not. Malachi 3, 6, same yesterday and forever. Hebrews 13 and 8. With whom is no variable, and I the shadow of turning. James 1, 17. I preach to you that Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh. God who is spirit. John 4, 24. Article in the original and slap type meaning was put there by Trinitarian translators. It read, John, God is spirit. God's a spirit. A spirit is invisible, friend. 1 Timothy 1, 17 said God was invisible. 1 Timothy 6, 16 said God was invisible. 1 John 4, 8. John, uh, first, uh, John 118, Jeremiah 23, 24, do not I fill heaven and earth. Now hear me, the invisible spirit God. Look down at the dejected condition of ungodly humanity and saw there was no man, there wasn't anybody worthy. You know what God did? Not like the Romanistic Zeus squatting on some remote Mount Olympus, but that God, he didn't turn his back, but that God, that I'll go down, I'll take me on a body, I'll walk in a body, I'll talk in a body, God did. Hebrews 10 verse 5, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Made of a woman, Galatians 4, 4. Made in the likeness of men, Philippians 2, 7. Word made flesh, John 1, 14. Jesus, Emmanuel, 123, Matthew. God with us. He was human as to his mama Mary, John 8, verse 20, 19, 10, Luke. But he was divinity or deity or God. As to the one that performed the miracle act of paternity in the virgin womb, which was God, Luke 1, 35, Matthew 1, verse 20, John 3, verse 16. 1 John 4 verse 2 better get the tape because I'm fixing to put on overdrive hear me God walked among us God talked among us and that flesh that was hanging on that cross was the son of man the product of a union between the spirit and Mary and it was the flesh that died hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. That what, what died was the flesh. The flesh. The flesh. God did not die. God cannot die. It was the flesh that died. It was the flesh that was buried. 
It was the flesh that rose again. It was the flesh that was risen. Clap your hands, everybody. You gotta let me finish this little excursion. Where did God get blood? A spirit hath not flesh and bone, Luke 24, 39. He got it in the fusion and the union between Mary and the spirit. No man can have two fathers. Malachi 2.10, have not we all one father? There's one God and Father of all, Ephesians 4, 6. One God the Father, 1 Corinthians 8 and 6. He, uh, uh, Matthew 6, 9 said, Our Father, not our fathers, which art in heaven. So Jesus cannot have two fathers. 1 Peter 1, 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1, 3, Ephesians 1, 3, Colossians 1, 3, and 2 John, verse 3, all speaks of Jesus being the Son of the Father. But Luke 1, 35 said the Holy Ghost was his Father. And Matthew 1, 20 said that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now how in the world can the second person be conceived by the third person be called the Son of the first person? You don't have your children that way. And neither did the Godhead come into being that way. There is one spirit, there is one body, and the one spirit was in that one body, and that was God with us, and it was the body that hung on the cross, and it was the body that had the blood. Acts 20, 28 feet, the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. When did God have blood? It said church of God, God had blood, which he had purchased. Everybody say purchased. Second Peter 2, 1 said, the Lord that bought them. Say, bought them. Amen. Titus 2, 13 said, look at the blessed open grocery, appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Say, gave himself. Amen. That he might redeem us. Say, redeem us. Amen. That means to pay a price. First Corinthians 6, 19. What? No, you're not. What? No, you're not. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Say, bought with a price. First Corinthians 7:23 said, "Bought with a price." Jesus said in Matthew 16:18, "Upon this rock I'll build my church." Yet it said it was the church of God. Jesus said it's my church. Ephesians 5:25, "Husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself, Himself, gave Himself." gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish I believe God took on a body that had blood and the body suffered and died vacated by the spirit that rose it again the third day Jesus Christ was the visible manifestation of the invisible spirit. He was God in the form of man. And I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to preach it. How about you?
I've been reading in the book of Malachi that Jehovah God is our son of righteousness. Four verse two, rising with healing in his wings. I've been reading in the book of Matthew and he's our Messiah, 121. Mark our wonder worker, 3.5. Luke our son of man, 19.10. John the son of God, 1.34. And in Acts, oh I love to read about him in Acts. He's the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.4, John 14.18, verse 20. And again, Colossians 1.27, 2 Corinthians 13.5, Philippians 1.19, Galatians 2, verse 20. And add in Phantom. I've been reading in the book of Romans and he's our justifier. 3 verse 25 and 6. And in 1 Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. I've been reading in Galatians 3.13 and he's our redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, the Christ of unsearchable riches. 3.18. In Colossians, I already read it to you but I've got to read it again. I've been reading in Colossians and I've been reading in 2 and 9 and it said and repeated after me, Fall! In him, 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 Philippians and he's our God 419 who shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory and I've been reading yes I have in first second Thessalonians I like to read that first Thessalonians 413 but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you shall not even as others have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him, God bring with him, God's coming. I could preach on that a while. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, not themselves, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the ark, Angel with the cup of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord he's our soon coming king 1 Thessalonians 4.16 I've been reading First and Second Timothy, and he is the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. First Timothy two five. 
I've been reading in Titus, and he's our pastor, chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. Philemon, a faithful brother, verse 16. In Hebrews, the blood of the everlasting covenant, 1029. And to you that are sick, I've been reading in the book of James 5 and 13 and 14 and 15. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. They won't be anybody saying abracadabra, open sesame, oh chili, oh my high kai, or umani pani, umani pani, umahare krishna, hare krishna. Won't be none of that gibberish going on. You'll feel an anointment of oil and then a hand will lay on your head and you'll hear a voice say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that sickness. I rebuke that infirmity. I rebuke that devil. I rebuke that depression. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. I believe he's our great physician, don't you? I've been reading in first and second Peter. And he is the chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5, 4, who soon shall appear with a crown of unfading glory. I've been reading in 1, 2, and 3 John, and he's love. He's love. 1 John 3, 16, he is love. I've been reading in Jude. That's <laughs> where I'm reading now. I had this message a long time ago and believe me or not I'm trying to hurry but I've been checked by the Holy Ghost every step of the way and I've preached too long not to give in to what I feel is the spirit so some of you crusty Carls and debonair Doms and fancy Franks and hip swinging Harrys you just as well sit tight we're gonna preach a while tonight You've been hollering your love preaching. Let's see if you love it. I've been reading in the book of Jude in verses 14 and 15. He is the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. Man, I want to ride with Jesus one day. He can't come with the saints until he comes for the saints. And if Armageddon's described in Revelation 19:11, after this I saw a door open in heaven and uh, the rider was looking. Behold, a white horse. I like horses, not horses, horses. And I like a white horse because I'm going to ride on a white horse. And he that set upon him is called faithful and true and righteous. He that judge and make war and his eyes are as a flame of fire. And well, I better not preach all that. Just let me tell you. He's coming with 10,000s of his saints. Now you may not buy this. You may be part of the dim-witted, narrow-minded, theological crowd that a BB put both eyes out. That chisel up the gold off the street, make it a symbolism. 
Jonah wasn't really swallowed by a whale that make it just an old story. That's the kind of spirit that takes tears out of repentance, the name out of baptism, and tongues out of the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you, I intend to come back and ride with Jesus. He's coming with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them, all their ungodly deeds were saved, ungodly committed, and so on. And let me tell you one more. The one I've been talking about tonight that was Abraham's ram and Aaron's rod that budded and that was Ezekiel's waters to swim in, Elijah's mantle and Elisha's double portion and Joshua's trumpet and Jacob's ladder and Miriam's song and Moses's burning bush and Jeremiah's fire shut up in his bones and and uh, Noah's rainbow and John's pearly white city and Jacob's ladder and Gideon's fleece and Samuel's horn of oil and Samson's strength and Solomon's wisdom. And you know what? I like this. He was David's slingshot too. Hallelujah. Well, I've been reading and in the book of Revelation, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Stand on your feet and raise your hands and praise him. last reference was 1916 Revelation. Now, normally I would quit right here because we've reached that. But I couldn't sleep tonight and I'm not trying to be... And you're going to have to forgive me. You're just going to have to forgive me. Sit down. Now, now remember, sermonettes are for Christianettes, remember that. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Jude spoke of these that came in denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think you can be a New Testament Christian and deny Jesus' rightful deity as the Almighty, Revelation 1.8. And if you're not preaching him as the Almighty, you're not preaching him. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Once saved, always saved is a damnable, rotten doctrine out of the pit of hell. 
you can absolutely backslide and lose out with God. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, less that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. That's what the Bible said, Hebrews 4, 1. And Revelation 3, verse 5, the Lord promised that I'll not blot his name out of the book of life. Now that means he could blot it out. Second Peter 1 verse 10 said, if you do these things, the accumulated Christian virtues that our dear brother Muncie's elaborating on so elusively and practically every day, from verse five to verse 10, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godless, godless, brother, kindness, brother, kindness, charity. For if, conditional word, these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Here's where I'm going, verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. That means if you don't do them, you're going to fall. Revelation 22, 18, I testify and every man hear the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to these things, God shall add them in the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You can lose out with God. Israel marched out of Egypt. Numbers 146, a census. 20 and over was taken. 601,550 young men. 40 years of rambling due to their unbelief. Again, a census was taken just before they crossed into Canaan. 2651 numbers. And there were 601,730, only a shortage of 1,820. Of all that died, 20 and over, only Joshua and Caleb lived. Now let me tell you, that means this. God has got somebody to take your place. There's not a man here tonight indispensable and irreplaceable. Don't you go on a Nebuchadnezzar fastidious, self-righteous binge of overindulgence of egoism. Every one of us can be replaced. We need the church more than the church needs us. We need God more than God needs us. We need the ministry more than the ministry needs us. We better stay with the truth. Stay with the church. Stay with the Word of God. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Second Peter 2, 4 speaks, God spared not the angels at sin, but cast them down. And the Greek word there is only one place it appears, meaning basically prison house for fallen angels. Hear me, friend. 1 Corinthians 6, 3 said we're going to judge angels who have a higher created order of beings. Psalm chapter 8, first chapter of Hebrews. Then you and I are. So quit looking at your old stinking flesh thinking you're somebody. Without God, you're a nobody. And I just as well say it. Jesus said, John 15, 5, without me, ye can do nothing. <laughs> 
we got our music. Oh, we got our education. Oh, we got our beautiful structures. Thank God for all that. I'm not blessing any of it. But without Jesus, we have nothing. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I'm telling you that Sodom didn't get away with homosexuality and neither will Rome or Tel Aviv or New Orleans or San Francisco or Kansas City or New York or Chicago or Miami or neither will LA or San Diego or any city anywhere. If God doesn't come before long, you have to repent. He ever destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't spare their sin. Homosexuality is not a disease. It's a sin. A stinking rotten sin. This educated, cultural cop-out that I'm the product of my genealogical, physiological makeup and my family tree bequeathed to me the genes that made a composite of my nature and I can't help being what I am. So you accept me for what I am or you let me go by by. Because, and I'm not castigating this and singling it out, I'm just staying with scripture. The Bible defines Leviticus 18, 22, 20, verse 13 as that type of activity as an abomination, an abomination, an abomination in the sight of God. And if you applaud a rock star, a country western triangle music star that's singing Johnny ran off with Sue and you want to run off with Sally and them kind of politicians are your heroes you got your morals and your ethics all twisted up friend God said it was an abomination and there's no room in the pulpit and there's no room in the pew and there's no room in the Sunday school and there's no room in Hazelwood the Lord God made Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve You got one of them little sissy devils in you. Limp-wristed Larry. I'll tell you what your answer is. Come on down here. We got the oil. And we got the name. And we got the spirit. And we got the word. We'll lay hands on you. And the God that delivers from alcohol can deliver from that. It's an abomination in the sight of God. Revelation 28 said, The abominable shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
Revelation 21, 27 spoke of the new Jerusalem that there would no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination. And by the way, I just will hitchhike a little here. In Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, it speaks that a woman is not to wear that which appertaineth unto a man, nor a man is to wear that which appertaineth unto a woman. For all that do so are an abomination in the sight of God. And some things transcend the law, the written law of Moses as an stench like incest and other things like murder as an abomination in the sight of God. God made a woman to walk like a woman and talk like a woman and smell like a woman and act like a woman. And God made a man to walk like a man and talk like a man and smell like a man and dress like a man. And a man ought not to wear woman's apparel and a woman ought not to wear men's apparel and defined in our western culture in the United States it's trousers and pants on men and skirts on ladies and then we are not in another culture so don't throw that at me you're in Kansas and in Kansas men wear trousers and women wear dresses Perversion stinks in the sight of God. You gonna let me preach? I said you gonna let me preach. I said you gonna let me preach. In Romans chapter 1 verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the man leaving the natural use of the woman. Burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men. Doing that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Drop down the last verse. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Listen to me, friend. If you're a man, act like a man. If you're a woman, act like a woman. If you're a man... Well... Do you remember me reading 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 what Paul reviewed the Corinthians were saved from and about? One of them was effeminacy. You got one of them high-pitched voices? Get some gravel and put it in your mouth and walk around and, act and practice talking like a man. Hey, I'm going to preach a minute here. I done got a check in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach to some of you mamas. You let that little curly-head darling boy of yours be a boy. Let him get a little dirt and get in a few fist fights. Let him be a boy. Let a man be a man. Praise God. And everybody said amen. Shout amen. 
said of Sodom and Gomorrah are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire so if you think such sexual perversion is a delectable decisive mode of modern living I ask you before you go that route to go let the sifting ashes of a burnt out Sodom sift through your fingers and see what God does with perversion lesbianism and homosexuality and I don't care if everyone is doing it it's still not right and if you receive the Holy Ghost and live for God that devil has to go likewise also these filthy dreamers Man, that Jude was a crusty old boy. I doubt if he'd preach in some churches I know about. They'd throw him out. Likewise also these filthy dreamers. You can pick up almost any kind of trash imaginable in newsstands anymore. Defile the flesh. Despise dominion. Nobody gonna tell me what to do. I'm American and 21 and freeborn. I'll paddle my own canoe, determine my own fate, master my own destiny. Buzz off, pastor. Buzz off, dad. Buzz off, mom. Buzz off, teacher. Despise dominion. There's a spirit of rebellion in our world today. Don't let it get a hold of you. There's nobody here so important, you hear me, that you can make it by yourself. We need one another. We must have one another. We've got to love one another. We've got to preach one another. We've got to sing one another. Now you quit setting on me. Shout amen. In the name of Jesus. When you get up here and get all excited when you're leading the service and doing your thing. And then you drift back and sit down. And somebody else tries to get it rolling. And you just sit down and relax. It ain't right. You want me to shout with you, you shout with me. You want me to sing with you, you sing with me. You want me to cooperate with you, you cooperate with me. We gotta have a baptism of reciprocity. It's a two-way street, it's not a one-man show. Despise dominion! I don't want this to sound in any 
smidgen political. I am not a political preacher. But I'm speaking from my heart. As long as I'm in the Kansas district, Brother Westberg, the superintendent, dutifully put in position by the righteous brethren of this district, is my district superintendent. I will honor him and his office. I mean that. I wouldn't care what the color of his skin was. I'd say the same thing. I have no reference. Please don't take this personal. It's anywhere. If he had a doctorate degree in thermodynamics or couldn't get out of Ned in the first reader, I'd honor and respect as a God-fearing called man of God. And this damnable, rotten, of a despising of dominion attitude it's got to go we got to quit climbing on one another's backs we got to quit clawing and biting we got to start loving one another come on clap your It also says, and speak evil of dignities. Brother, before you go out, let me finish this verse, then you can go. Unless it's emergency. <laughs> speak evil of dignities. No, no reflection. No reflection. I don't mean that to any reflection. Speak evil of dignities. It's not right to carve up the district superintendent and the district secretary and the district presbyter or some pastor of another church in another assembly over a pizza, over a White Castle, or over a hamburger, or over a T-bone steak. It's not right to castigate. Now, there is constructive criticism. And there are business meeting and proper places to display that attitude in proper voting procedures and audience in which you can get up and sound off at the proper time. But to run your mouth run your jaws and let your pen dip it in poison it's not right it never was right I don't care if you don't agree you can still cooperate I'm going to preach what I felt to preach That's my brother you're talking about. That's my pastor. If I was you as a saint, I wouldn't let somebody do that as Brother Muncie so ably ministered today. Speak evil of dignities. Exodus 22, 28 speaks about don't revile the ruler. Even Paul corrected himself at one time on that matter. But some of us ratchet jawers, sandalama hakas, sandalama hakas. I'm going to preach. I feel in the Holy Ghost some of you got a damnable rotten spirit of gossip. That's all you want to do is carry around some little gossip. Get rid of that spirit. We didn't come here to criticize. 
We didn't come here to find fault. We came here to have a camp meeting. We came here to love God. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses. I'll be through before long. Quit shaking your watch. He contended about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Now, if there's anybody you could read a long list, a mile long, a yard wide, against it'd be the devil. But Michael didn't waste his time saying, you're this, you're that, you're the other. He just looked at that old bugaboo, and he said, I rebuke you. Can we learn from that? Oh, yes, we love tape recordings, and some have made the rounds of conversations with the wicked one. We want to sell a few tapes. I don't want to talk with him. That's what got Miss Eve in trouble in the first place, was talking to the devil. She couldn't handle that conversation then, and she can't handle it now. And Adam couldn't handle it then. He couldn't handle it now. There's not but one real good way to whip the devil and just say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I cannot cease to be amazed at people think they can outwit the devil. He's got a composite right at 6,000 years of psychological experience in dealing with every trait of humanity. He knows every trick in the book and every trick that's not in the book. And some of you wizards in your minds think you can out-talk him or out-maneuver him, out-psychologize him, out-wisdomize him, and out-magnify him. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He'll have you twisted up like a pretzel, blinking at your own pale lights. You'll be just absolutely spinning your wheels. There's not but one way to get along with him, like Jesus did. Look him in the eye and say, it is written! The Lord rebuke you! I'm gonna go to church! The Lord rebuke you! I'm gonna pay my tithes! The Lord rebuke you. I'm going to love my pastor. The Lord rebuke you. I'm going to cooperate with my district. The Lord rebuke you. I'm going to clap my hands and worship. The Lord rebuke you. I'm going to sing. The Lord rebuke you. I'm going to give the altar and pray. The Lord rebuke you.
But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil of the things you see, understand not. Sit at home, eating your bologna and beans. Saying like Absalom, oh, if I were king. Man, if I could just run the district. If I could just be the pastor. Man, you talk about getting this thing going. You don't know what you're talking about. If God had wanted you to preach, he'd have called you. He didn't call you, so stay out of it. And by the way, while I'm on it, I'm going to say something else. Ten fourteen, the Romans said, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Everybody say sent. There's the call. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for his eyes hath said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now what have I said? I said there's a difference between a calling and a sending. Just because you've got a call and you're wet behind the ears don't mean you know all the answers to all the problems in the church. You hear me, hotshot? You evangelized six months and you know how to save everybody. Haven't pastored over three months and you know every answer to every problem, you smart aleck Sam. You want to throw out those who for years have wrestled with demoniac spirits and rebellious spirits. Watch out now. If you're a preacher and you're sitting in a church, for God's sake, cooperate with the man of God in that church. And don't criticize. It's not your church. You wasn't called to pastor that church. Preach it, preacher. Keep your mouth shut. somebody over to dinner and then carve up the preacher. But these as natural brute beasts speak evil of those things which they know not. It just gets my goat when you can get around somebody that never has to raise a kid, never had to change a diaper, never had to wipe a snotty nose, set up all night, someone with a colic. They can tell you how to raise your kids, bless God. Never had a pastor, never been a pastor, rather, fellowship meeting preacher tell you how to save the world. Maybe I better back up. No, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to get on Brother Munchie's territory. You come back tomorrow and he'll overhaul your more. But let me stay with Jude. But these as natural brute beasts, that's a nice finesse. It's 
sophisticated way of calling you a donkey and an ox. These as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Good for nothing. Speak evil of the things they know not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Woe unto them. Everybody say woe unto them. Say it again. Say it one more time. Man, I can see it now. I turn it over to Brother Jude and he walks up here and he says, Woe unto them. For they've gone in the way of Cain. That's the way of the flesh. Romans 8 and 5 said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means at war, at variance, at odds. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You cannot make anybody, anywhere, any place through legalisms and legislative righteousness do right. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now, that's what it said. I just soon last saw a wild mustang with a silk thread go over Niagara Falls in a gunny sack, climb a hundred foot thorn tree with a bobcat under each arm and come down without a scratch on me. Cross the Atlantic in a paper boat, stand on my head and gargle peanut butter. You can't control a carnal mind. That carnal mind has got to be regenerated. It's got to be rejuvenated. It's got to have a born again experience that only God can give. They're gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Balaam thought he could curse a people God was not ready to curse. Mistake number one. Peter talks about it in 2 Peter 2.15 that going in the way of Balaam, the son of Bozah, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, am I speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Balaam wanted to make a quick buck. Watch out now. If you're in the ministry for a quick buck, get out of it. I don't believe in professional singing tours in the church of the living God. You can't be in it for a buck. Balaam thought he could merchandise his gift. I'm not talking about selling legitimate periodicals that would broaden your mental capacity and enlarge your learning in the Word of God. But I'm talking about a slick program to sell just so they could make payments on the bus. You know, and so things could be a little better. Balaam merchandised his gift. Now watch out. It took a talking donkey and a mule wreck to stop him. Peter called it the madness of the prophet. 
Now God bless you preacher as you have jurisdiction over the tithing of God's program. But you are not to be a lord over God's heritage. May we never ever just go after money, praise God. We gotta preach when there's money and we gotta preach when there isn't money. And we gotta preach when it's under a tree. And we gotta preach when it's in a beautiful air-conditioned building. You all wanted preaching and I'm giving it to you. One more aspect is in the second chapter of Revelation, the church at Pergamos, verse 14, called the doctrine of Balaam. Thou hast there them which teach the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Bailey to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, eat things sacrificed unto idols, and commit fornication. He taught intermarriage between God's children and the heathen. I don't believe in that. I don't believe someone in the church ought to marry someone out of the church. I don't believe that. And when your pastor takes a stand against it, it's your own daughter or son, you ought to stand with him. 2 Corinthians 6.14 said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The doctrine of Balaam was the world got in the church at Pergamos. My God, we got to keep the world out of the church. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Praise God! For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll dwell in them and walk in them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out and from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Saith the Lord Almighty. Everybody, repeat this right now. Having, Having therefore, therefore, these promises, these promises dearly beloved, let us, Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, filthiness of the flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, holiness, holiness. in the sight of God. Let's raise our hands and worship Him.
Can you take it anymore? portrays a rebellion against the leadership of Moses when two haughty, arrogant worthies of Israel, as it were, got a man to come up to Moses and said, you're not the only one that talks God around here. It was God that honored Moses' judgment that the earth opened up and swallowed them. And I think we ought to watch what we say. I've said that several times. I'm not a ninny, a dummy, and I am not a numbskull. I know enough now in the Holy Ghost is some tongues that are wagging that had better shut up. And if I were you, I'd shut up. and yet you want to run the track in our church. Hey, it costs money to run this track. You won't come faithful, yet you want to sing in the choir. No way, Jose. You won't support the district with your legitimate tithing cooperation as agreed upon by the brethren and yet you want to raise your voice in an asinine acid portrayal of biting, cutting criticism. I'm challenging you in the Holy Ghost. Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Jew 
huge debt. Clouds they are without water. Carried about of winds. Just anybody's dog gonna hunt with you. Man, I tell you. I'd watch that kind of attitude. When the Trinities come around, you don't say a whole lot about the oneness. When the sprinkling crowd knocks at your door, you don't say a whole lot about the immersion. Should I or shouldn't I go on? Just, just drifters as Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 portrays a five-fold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the finding body of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. I don't think the church ought to be that way. I think if you're one God in here, you ought to be one God out there. If you're a tongue talker in here, you ought to be a tongue talker out there. If you're a hand clapper here, you ought to be a hand clapper out there. If you're a Jesus name baptizer in Topeka, you ought to be a Jesus name baptizer when you go home. Trees whose fruit withereth. Without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Man, I'm telling you, when you're plucked up, there isn't any, any more hope. You're a reprobate. Pruning is one thing. Being plucked up by the roots is another. And I don't want to get plucked up. So preacher, you see me slipping? Preach to me. Pastor, you see me drifting? Preach to me. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. Just wander, wander. No church home, no allegiance, just a drifter. Want your cake and eat it too. Just everybody and anybody wandering stars I don't want to be a wandering star I want to identify with the bright morning star and I want to stand with those that stand for truth and I'm not ashamed to rub elbows with those who do And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and convince all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers. Now watch out. If you're one of them bickering complainers, I rebuke your spirit. If you're one of them whimpering whiners, I rebuke your spirit. 
if all you can do is ridicule and satire and leer and laugh and make fun and poke and, and stand back and not be, uh, become involved, I rebuke your spirit. These are murmurers, complainers. God deliver us from a complaining spirit. Walking after their own lusts. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words of admiration. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Having men's person in admiration because of advantage. Don't pat somebody on the back just to use their office. Don't just single out a rich man just to get his money. Don't cater to a talented individual just to get them to come to your church. We need to preach to the rich the same message we preach to the poor. Beware of the backslappers. Beware of those who continually puff you up. They have men's person in admiration because of advantage. They use you, they use your office, they use your name, they use your reputation, they use your influence to get gain. It's not right. We need to love one another for what we are. We need to love one another for what we are. You gonna let me say it? We need to love them when they're in office. And we need to love them when they're out of office. We need to love them when they got a big church. And we need to love them when they got to be a missionary to a poor, poverty-stricken country. We need to love them when they're a home missionary worker. And we need to love them when they're a Bible school teacher. Their office and title ought not to cause us to just use them. We've got to get away from that business. Praise God. There's too much name dropping going on. You hear me now? There's too much status seeking among us. There's too many glad-handing Georges. There's too many people that want to just crawl up the ladder of success. We've got to understand nobody's better than anybody else. It took the same blood to save me that saved you. It took the same name to baptize me that baptized you. Let's raise our hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ask you to stay just like you are as I come in respect and honor to Jude. By the grace of God, if I get to make it to heaven after a few trips around the throne, I'm going to look Jude up. And I'm going to say, give me five. 
I like him. I, I like Jude. He didn't speak in multiple syllabization with the ulterior descriptive adjectives, never knowing what he really meant. He called them like he sees them. So freeze right where you're at. But ye beloved, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. I'm not surprised that those that leave the truth won't measure up to apostolic standards and want to water down the message. Jude told me there'd be a gang of them who should walk after their own lusts. These be they who separate themselves. Sensual. There's your lack of holiness standard. Sensual. Having not the spirit. That's the real problem. They don't have the Holy Ghost. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Man, there's nothing like Holy Ghost praying. It's nothing like Holy Ghost singing. It's nothing like Holy Ghost preaching. It's nothing like a Holy Ghost revival. And some of you mossy back Marthas. And some of you weak kneed willies. And some of you that backslide between revivals. Some of you that can't stay saved over a summer. I want to preach to you. You need to get down and learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray when the choir's not singing. You can pray when there's no camp meeting. You can pray when there's no youth revival. You can pray in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others saved with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. There's room for all. The compassionate ministry and those that will preach the shoelaces out of your shoes. That's what Jude is saying. Some have compassion and others saved with fear pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. Then he winds it up. Are you going to listen to Brother Jude? 
now unto him not them him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever and I want the church of 1984 Topeka Kansas style shout amen as loud as you can Close with this as you remain standing and the rest of you, if you will, please stand in honor. I have been a surrogate. I have been but one who has stood in the place. That's one of the reasons I went after the ministry I did as a lad. I felt if stories and gimmicks when they fail and if the word of God can't do the job it can't be done I have brought you Jude let me ask you a question preacher saint would Jude be welcome in your church could he preach that book he gave us in your church would you welcome him in your church well then let me hear you say welcome brother Jude do you appreciate what he had to say alright then let's do him all the honor by repeating these words that he gave to the church as its battle cry in a world of lukewarmness and backsliding. Let's give them all that we have now. Are you ready? Everybody. Now unto him. Now unto him. That is able. That is able. To keep you. To keep you. From falling. From falling. And to present you.